Welcome to the Leading with Data podcast, the show where we explore the intersection of data, strategy, leadership, and results. The show is brought to you by Molecula, and I'm your host, Jason Dorsey. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Leading with Data podcast. I'm your host, Jason Dorsey, and wow, do we have a show for you. You're going to love it. So get ready, get whatever you take notes on, call your friends. This one is a good one. I am thrilled to introduce our guest, Corey Jones, Mr. Corey Jones. Check out this title, Senior Lead Machine Learning Engineer and Innovation Coach at Chick-fil-A. And wow, does he have a story. And more impressive to me, y'all know I love machine learning, so don't get me started on that. But even more impressive to me, Corey was Volunteer of the Year winner for the Urban League of Atlanta. Whoop, whoop. And he's already starting making 40 under 40 lists. Corey, we are honored to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it is such a pleasure. Jason, you are bringing the energy today. Like, I'm going to try to stay up there with you. Um, <laughs> I got my coffee IV right here, so we'll be good to go. So just, just so, so grateful to be here today. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. Well, I'll tell you the secret. I have a 10-year-old daughter, and we went to Chick-fil-A uh, for lunch, so I am fired up, <laughs> fueled up, ready to go. <laughs> well, well, Corey, I know you've had a really interesting career and sort of journey. We were talking about that just a bit before we started recording. Would love if you would share how you got into your current role, because it is a really impressive role. Would you mind sharing with us? Oh, yeah. There, there's an interesting story right here. So I'll, I'll start with the whole how I even got to Chick-fil-A um, and that, that, uh, that'll roll into things. So it was a couple of years back, probably about a, a little over five, five and a half years ago. I was at the an Informs conference. So if anybody's familiar with that operations research and I was there and I saw Chick-fil-A there, um, I was in a very healthy position in my previous company. I was in healthcare and I saw this book that said, Truett, how'd you do it? It rhymed. They had a book on the table and it rhymed. And because it rhymed, I walked over to the table. Otherwise, I was going to go back to my room and play some video games. I know. It's so, so random. And I walk over to the table and I ended up having a conversation with these folks. They were awesome. And we ended up talking. It's like, hey, are you looking for a possible opportunity? I was, you know, and I was like, in my heart, I was like, I'm about to get promoted to principal consultant at my current job. I'm good. But then my MBA said, don't ever think that way. Um, always at least say yes. Handed over my resume, had a conversation uh, that next day, and you know, a couple of months later, lo and behold, here I am at Chick-fil-A. And so my current seat on the bus is a little bit unique um, in the case where I, kind of, I sort of helped to write the job description for it. Um, one of the challenges we were seeing was just uh, being able to help to operationalize uh, machine learning models. And I had done some work over the last couple of years to help kind of centralize and unlock all of our data um, and help to kind of fuel some of our data strategy aspects. And so one of our leaders said, hey, I think this might be a great role for you. I looked at it and said, because um, the job description wasn't written at that time, I was like, I, this, this sounds really complicated. I think, um, <laughs> let, 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 let me pray over this. Let me think about this. And so I thought and thought and thought, and a couple of more people had some conversations with me and I said, all right. And so I went through and wrote the job description, thought about it. And, you know, a year and a half later, almost two years, actually be two years in October. Um, I'm feeling pretty good getting a chance to really wrangle some awesome stuff, uh, sit on the bleeding edge. And that's like my formal job. Now, my side hustle job, which I actually love quite a bit is the innovation coach side that popped up because I kept hearing about innovation at Chick-fil-A since I've been here. And I said, I want to do this. This just seems fun. I'm an orthodox. I don't like sitting within these, these just thinking it's not, are you thinking outside the box? My question is, why are you even in the box? And <laughs> I love it. 
<laughs> so I, uh, I said, let's do this. And I sat down and interviewed for it. And I get a chance to, we've learned from some folks from Disney and a couple of other great companies. I'm actually even doing an innovation tour this week with some, uh, some of our interns. I just, I love it. So I, I get a chance to do the bleeding edge, super technical stuff, but I also get to think about how do people take an idea to reality uh, from an innovation standpoint. So yeah, that's a little bit about how that all happened. And it mostly just came from, again, rhyming uh, and me just being <laughs> special in the head. And then also just saying, hey, I really want to do this and, and stepping into what I really found interesting. I love it. I love it. I mean, hearing you talk about being an innovation coach too. I'm like, put me in coach. I'm ready. <laughs> Sounds amazing. <laughs> love your energy and passion for what you do. So, so that leads right into my next question, which is what is the most important decision that you've made using data and how did it work out? And probably the most important one. Um, I'd love to use a Chick-fil-A story, but I'm actually going to go back to my previous company. Um, it was a small firm. And one of the things was we would, we worked in healthcare, so, you know, all the super security things you can and can't do. And I remember sitting there and my job originally was like to move data back and forth. I was like, okay, this is all right. I was, it's like my first foray into the space um, formally. And I said, you know what, this is boring. What I'm doing is boring, but it's impactful for the greater business. And so I taught myself an obscure coding language in about two months on the job. Uh, then I said, you know what, I think I can automate my job. And it was essentially we get thousands of files. We had all types of medical records, pharmaceutical enrollment, like really, really good data. Um, and so what I used, because I understood the process, I understood the data. And I thought about the overall business outcomes um, and the fact that we had five to six people doing this same job I was doing. And so when I taught myself this little coding language, it's called auto IT. So you ever seen like one of those little auto clickers that gamers use? Odds mm -hmm. that's under the hood. And <laughs> I went and I worked with the open source platform and I walked in and told my VP and I was like, hey, I want to show you something. And you know what? She looked at me and said, uh, okay. And I walked her through what I was going to do. It was going to automate my job and a lot of other people's job and free us up to do things that were more differentiating for the business. And I, she said, is that all? And, you know, at that point, it's like, oh, well, you know, <laughs> this story is over. I should have just been quiet. And, <laughs> and I said, yes, ma'am, that is all. And she said, one second. She walks out the room, goes and gets our CFO. CFO walks in. Another power woman right here. Um, and she said, why am I here? And I'm thinking like, listen, man, this, why this, this is looking bad. Um, how does this story end? And, and the VP said, Hey, Corey, show her. And I showed her what I, what I was kind of showing. And she was like, Hey, um, I like this. How long, you know, she's really thinking about matter of fact, how long? And I said, two weeks, two weeks, I can get this off the ground and we can start to be able to streamline some of our data processes and help our customers get more of their outcomes. Cause we were supporting, like we worked with Aetna, Hub, all of them. Um, and I did it in a week and a half and we turned the pipes on and like my job just completely changed right there. And ultimately, I mean, to think that small business, about 26 people. Um, so about a quarter of the company was doing this one job. You know, and because wow. after we did that, it was it now went to like a, a, a part time for one individual. And for me, I felt like that was just a huge win from a data standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a better it was a really good decision because it thought about the impact on the business, impact on our customers and improve their processes. Because um, I think sometimes we get so caught up in the whole idea of like, you know, you got to have this great insight, which is really important. But sometimes data leads to improving processes, which then improve outcomes. Oh, love that. That that might be the quote of the podcast right there. 
right off the bat. Love that, Corey. Well, well perfect. So, so um, there's so much to process in that story. I love that. And I don't know, pun intended. Uh, well, let's go a little bit deeper on the strategy side, because I know you have a lot of theories around data. What is one unexpected uh, opinion that you have about data or even the future of data? Oh man, uh, Skynet's going to come rule us out now. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, from my, that's, less, that's from my Terminator fans right there. So anybody that doesn't know what that is, Google it, Terminator. Um, but uh, when I think about data and I think about what's going to happen in the future, uh, realistically, I feel that the roles that we're going to need are going to have to change. Um, there's this whole, you probably read about it all the time, always data scientists, data scientists, data scientists. The reality is that data pipelining, um, I feel like data engineers are really what's going to be needed. And actually not even like formal data engineers, just like folks that are good at data forensics to ask questions mm -hmm. of that, where it's going to be more people with a deeper business aspect or acumen with just a little bit of like deep technical, not deep, but just like shallow technical data knowledge. And the reason for that is going to be because I feel like throughout the companies all around the world and in industry, there's going to be standards. There's going to be clear, defined standards because right now, let's just be transparent. It doesn't matter which company you're working with and you're trying to do something with data. Everybody says the data is bad. Data is bad. They need to clean it. How many engineering hours are being spent cleaning simple data, simple stuff like, oh, you put everything in string. Yes, it was an easy thing to do. You know, if you were to cast this and do this on the upstream of the pipeline, our analysts uh, wouldn't have impacted at work. Oh, let me change that. And so everything becomes like this whole arc. Mm -hmm. Like it's like moving the Titanic to try to dodge the iceberg. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that iceberg is hitting everybody right now. And so I feel that what's going to happen in the future is that there's going to be some like clear defined data ops stuff, mm -hmm. whether it's tooling or technology, that's going to enable a lot more of your business users to be able to kind of say, I brought this data data to Dale. I brought this data to Chick-fil-A or wherever company you're at. And these are the standards that are going to be here. I don't need engineering. I don't need some super forensic analyst to do this. I'm equipped with the mm -hmm. tools to do it. And I think it's going to really accelerate everything because then that bleeds into all of the other stuff that's there, all these engineering teams that have to manage all this data, all your analysts that are having all tricks and doing all these things mm -hmm. that are there. Like, I think it's going to change because data is really the issue. It's not necessarily the models or anything like that. Get your data right, the rest of the stuff will fall in line. Yeah, I completely agree. I always fall back on the idea that, you know, data is just a backbone for a business case. And we, we've just got to get to more of the business cases. Right? <laughs> so I uh, completely agree with what you're saying. So this will be fun because this is more on the personal or professional side, uh, less data side. You know, when you think about yourself as a leader, right, and, and you and I have chat a little bit about this. You're in a really unique leadership role. Not only are you leading things within your organization, you're an innovation coach. You also do all this amazing volunteer work. So, so when you look across that, how has data shaped your leadership strategy? Um, I'm going to say data has really shaped my leadership strategy because it it helps me to ask really good questions because like I've, I've had some awful data. And when you start asking certain business questions, you're like, you know, um, this is a great question to ask. And then it starts to have people to be more thought-provoking. Thought so I'd say it really started to reinforce the importance of Socratic dialogue. Um, and so what that is, uh, anyone's not familiar, Socratic dialogue, uh, Socrates, way, way, way back when, um, is he would ask students questions to help them to formulate their own opinions and help them to kind of unravel what they're thinking. And he, it, it, it really empowered folks. Because other than me saying, do this, um, or I think this is the right way, I'm now asking the right question to see if you're able to figure it out on your own and guide you 
So I feel like that's a big thing that's helped me out from a leadership style, also with my functional work. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've been reading this book, uh, uh, More Beautiful Question by Warren Berger, um, and it really talks about asking good questions, which I think is just something that's important for a leader. And so that's how data has helped me out a lot. And I say the second thing is um, it's helped me to really look at the men and women who are doing this great work. There's a lot of folks that bounce around jobs like that. <laughs> you just look at somebody's background has been doing data analytics or data science. You'll see two years at this company, three years over here, one year, like it's all over the place. And so it begins to make me continue to think as uh, someone has been in the space. It's like, how can I be the best advocate for my team? Even if I'm not leading them directly, how can I advocate? How can I help their careers move forward? How can I be there um, and, and just fight the fight for them behind closed doors and let them know that that fight's happening? And so mm-hmm. that's something that I've, I've kind of internalized a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my friends who's a CEO says it this way. I love that she says, you know, do, you, do your employees feel or know that you have their back? And I just think that is really important, particularly this time. I mean, look, there are uh, untold job openings right now. You could sort of name your price and name your package and move around. And and having a leader that you look up to and admire, learn from, feel like you're on the team with trust, which I think trust is a huge issue. All of those things I, I think is such a big differentiator. And I'm thrilled that that's what you uh, wanted to speak about because that that gets me fired up. I'm like, we don't we talk about all the technical side of this, but at the end of the day, these teams are still built around people. And, you know, we want to work with people that we trust and that we respect, that we learn from, that we feel valued and included. And that gets me fired up to hear that. Well, well, so we'll go in a little bit different direction. When you sort of put on your, your future forecaster hat for a second, what, I'm really curious about this, by the way, what problem do you think data will most help you solve in the future? And it doesn't have to be a work problem, by the way. I know you're involved in so many different things, but what, what do you think? Oh man, yeah, you're hitting me with with the hard ones right here. Uh, why couldn't it be like, what tool do you use? Come on now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when I think about from a future standpoint, what I what I believe data is going to help solve. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out like my my give back um, lens. I think um, in the future, a lot of our nonprofits and organizations that are making an impact in the world are going to be equipped with the tools necessary to increase their impact. And what do I mean by that? Is that Currently, it, and, I, and I see this every day, when I go, like I'm on a president of a board of directors for organization, and with other organizations I've been engaged, and I always ask the question, how are we gathering this data? Are we keeping it secure? Are we thinking about our donors? Like, every time I ask those questions, it's always like headlights, deer in headlights. Oh, we haven't thought about that. And I was like, hey, if you get hacked and somebody pulls this data out, like, that's a bad look. You know, um, yeah, I wouldn't want that, you know. Um, and and, and so I feel that what's going to happen um, is that a lot of these companies and organizations and other nonprofits are going to partner and they're going to these nonprofits organizations are going to be equipped with the tools necessary to really drive measurable change. Yes, your Chick-fil-A's, your, your Amazon's, your Microsoft, whatever company, large company you could think of can write big checks. But they're not able to be the boots on the ground that an Urban League can be or like a mm-hmm. United Way or whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. And so if they're equipped with the right tools, and I think that's what's going to happen, the tooling and technique and the right skill sets are going to get there. Um, we're going to see some really awesome outcomes for young men and women around the world. We're going to see professionals who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s who are trying to retool to have all of the tools necessary because their local nonprofit understands data, understands how to protect it, understands the importance of understanding and knowing how to navigate data in the future. I think 
that's really what's going to happen. And I see some of the seeds that are being set right now. Um, and it won't be something where the nonprofit, like I, I have this whole other story and I won't go there, but there was this discussion one time when I was trying to do something with a lot of data and really set up a nonprofit organization for success for the next 10 years. Um, and I spoke with the company and they said, no, for us to help you implement this, it'll cost $100,000 to do this. Um, and I was like, okay, this is a nonprofit, right? It was like, yes, sir. And I said, oh, whoa, like I can do this in like six months on my free time. And you telling me like, that's, that's what you're charging nonprofits? And it was like, yes, it only talks a little bit more. I said, that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's going to be a shift and we're going to see a really huge impact. And that's like from that lens. And I give you like a, for, for a super technical crowd, um, I'll drop one more and I'll be quiet. But I think that the other thing that's going to probably happen in the future is this whole concept of ML ops uh, or model ops, AI ops. I call it Batman ops because it's all about the tool belt <laughs> methodologies, like all these different things that are out there. I think what's going to happen is that there's going to be uh, not necessarily one tool to rule them all. Um, I think what's going to happen is a lot of these small but agile startup organizations are going to start to rally together and say, I am an expert at this one piece of this. Let's mm-hmm. partner together and have good integrations. And then they're going to set things up in such a way. And I think there may be like shells on top of those where you may realize, may not realize you're using six different companies, but it'll come up under one single brand. So it seems mm-hmm. like one tool, but it's multiple tools with people that own their domain, but they also think about working cross functionally, I feel like that's going to change the game for everybody that's trying to do data science at scale because the whole ML ops thing is like such a huge discussion right now. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think the, the key phrase to me is at scale, right? I mean, if we're trying to do this in a big way with significant organizations, you, piecemeal is just hard. I mean, we, we've all seen that. If the Frankenstein approach, you can get it done, but it is painful. So I, I love that vision. All right. So last one, drum roll. What is your, this one's going to be fun. What is your favorite leadership quote or saying and why? All right. So I, 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 I use this one all the time and it's from uh, Einstein. It's not directly a leadership quote, but I think it's important um, where he says, if you give me 60 minutes to solve a problem, I'm going to spend 55 minutes thinking about it and five minutes doing. Um, and the reason I think that is so, so important is that sometimes we get ahead of our tail ahead of ourselves. We sometimes try to run ahead and start doing things other than saying, you know what? Before I respond, before I push this agenda, before I try to acquire this company or, 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 or buy this data, let me understand what I'm doing. Let me mm-hmm. really think about this. And so that one resonates with me. And so my team already knows all the time I'm a processor. They'll ask me something. They want to get, get an immediate response. I was like, I can give you one, but let me spend the next hour or so. Let me think about this um, and go from there. And so that's, that's, that's a big one. For me, spending the time to just think. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all paid to a certain degree to think. Don't dedicate the time to just do that one thing. You know, you got that one job. Um, mm-hmm. Then outcomes start to look really bad. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It, it's such an interesting quote that you selected. Uh, one of the, the people who I serve on a lot of corporate boards with, who I look up a great deal, he, he always asked me, Jason, how many hours you set aside for thinking this week? <laughs> 
<laughs> and, you know, the first few times I didn't get it. And finally, I was like, oh, you're right. Like, we're always in a rush. What am I putting some boundaries and really thinking deeply about a few of these things and and what an impact it's had on our life. So, uh, Corey, I just I want to thank you again for all of the, you who have not written down this name. You want to write down this name. Corey Jones. Corey, thank you for joining the Leading with Data podcast. This has been absolutely exciting, inspiring, fun. I'm just so grateful to get to share your insights with our audience. And thank you to Molecula for sponsoring this awesome podcast and making it possible. We very much look forward to seeing you on the next Leading with Data podcast. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure. Uh, Looking forward to it. Thank you for joining us on the Leading with Data podcast. I'm your host, Jason Dorsey, and it was so much fun to get to bring this podcast to you. Big thanks to our sponsor, Molecula, for making this possible. For those of you who'd love to learn more about Molecula, definitely worth checking them out. You can visit Molecula.com, and I look forward to you joining us on the next podcast.